Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi guys, hello and welcome to Not Another Whiskey Podcast. If you guys are looking for a podcast with information about where to save £2.50 on a bottle of the latest whiskey releases, banter about how whiskey was so much cheaper back in the day and shit chat about how whiskey should be enjoyed while only wearing tartan breeks, a flat cap, a pair of wellies, then you've definitely come to the wrong place. I'm Mitch Beshard, whiskey sniffer, who also occasionally enjoys a dirty martini. It's me, Daz. Dirty martinis, Mitch. Are you for real? Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yes. Steakhouse, have to do a dirty martini to start off. Oh, oh, you've been in America far too long, my friend. <laughs> so if you guys are new around here, then welcome. You've got two episodes to, to, to catch up on. Uh, Daz and I have been in the whiskey industry for 30 years combined. Man, that makes us feel so old. Uh, working for some of the largest Scotch whiskey brands on the planet. So we've decided to bring you this podcast, which gives you a little bit of an insight into our experiences within the whiskey industry. Yeah, it's been cool. I mean, the last couple of episodes have uh, have been a lot of fun. It's been nice to catch up with you, bro, over a couple of drams. Mm-hmm. There might have been a beer or two in there as well. And and actually, I'm really excited about this next one. Uh, really excited about it because it's something we've actually talked about quite a lot. Um, but I actually haven't had a proper chance to dig a little bit deeper, do a little bit of research and get a few of these nice new shiny bottles out. It's going to be a good one, so grab yourself a dram and get ready for for, for some decidedly average chat from the two of us. All right, let's get into episode three, Daz. First thing, before we start talking about these new distilleries of Scotland, let's take stock of what's been happening here with regards to all these crazy openings and this new wave of whiskey makers that are arriving on the scene. I was researching into how many distilleries we are sitting at just for this episode, and honestly, man, it's it's been so hard to keep up, right? I mean, there's been yeah. so many new distilleries that have been opening and, and ones that are planning to open as well. So before we get into it, I thought I'd run through all the distilleries that have opened in Scotland since 2015, just to give you guys out there an idea of what we are talking about here. All right, so let's get into this. Deep breath. Here we go. Dornock, Arbeke, Kingsbarns, Falkirk. Ardnohoe, Hollywood, Glasgow, the Clydeside, Knocknean, Ardross, Lag, the Borders, Glenwivis, Lone Wolf, aka Brewdog, the Macallan, 
an old one, but a new distillery. Lindor's Abbey, Bladnock, again old but new. Torveig, Rassi, Bonington, Borno Benny, and Inch Derny. So, Daz, I think that's 22 that have opened in the past five or six years. But, mm-hmm. guys, let us know if we missed anything out there. But I think I got them all. Yeah, no, that mean that that's a that's a that's a list, right? And that's just the last five years. Yeah. And like, what what actually? We had this brief chat. Like, what's the difference between? When does a distillery become not a new distillery? <laughs> you know, and I, I remember we yeah. we did a tasting um, right at the start of lockdown. It was me and Andy Gemmo did a bit of a thing, and I remember one of the guys from Aaron giving me a, a rap on the wrists and talking about new distilleries and not mentioning them. And I thought, but they, they've been around for a wee while, you know, and actually 25 years is how long Aaron's been around. I think they celebrated their 25th anniversary last year. Fabulous whiskies, but it really is crazy a new enough. distillery, isn't it? When you think about no, it. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. absolutely crazy. I, I remember going, I think it was, I mean, someone might may correct me here, but I think it was 94 when they opened which sounds about right. You said 25 years, right? I remember going to- Your math is really good, man. (laughs) It's not, it's fucking terrible. (laughs) Um, But I remember going to that distillery and being like, this is, it was a year after they opened Mm. and just thinking, this is so cool. A new distillery in Scotland, I've never experienced this before. You know, and now I'm experiencing it, you know, most times when I I plan distillery trips around about Scotland. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. And that was around the time when some of the distilleries were reopening. That had been mothballed in the 80s and yeah. stuff. So I think Hardbeg and things like that probably were coming back online kind of in the late 90s, you know, into the into the early 2000s. So, yeah, yeah. no, no, that's... Uh, that. So, uh, but here's the thing, right? I just mentioned 22 that opened in the past six years. Let's talk about the ones that are going to open this year. Yeah, yeah. So we've been, yeah, having a wee look around and there's a great list of places. And actually, to be honest, you can even just go and visit these places. There are structures in place already. Um, one of our friends was just driving past the cairn, sent a picture the other day, didn't they? And you could actually see the stills inside the skeleton of the structure, which was really, really cool. Mate, was got... that not me? Was it you? It was me. Oh, was it? <laughs> <laughs> one of my one of my close friends, one of my acquaintances. <laughs> hey, you just you just had a fucking senior moment there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> All right. So the cairn uh, that you kindly sent me a picture of, Glen Lass Eight Doors, Rosebank, Broder's reopening has been closed for a long time. The Kibrach, Port Elith, Port Ellen, also closed back in the 80s, uh, reopening soon. And the Elixir Distillery, which will be Isla's 10th distillery. And they, of course, they're not even open yet, have just announced that their whiskey maker or master distiller will be the fabulous Georgie Crawford over there on Isla. So, yeah, man, that's a a big signing as well, right? Yeah, amazing. So there's, uh, yeah, a good list of new distilleries. So when we have this conversation in 12 months time, Mitch, uh, it could well be 30 new distilleries uh, within the last five or six years, which is insane. So what it means is when we're recording this right now, there is going to be 137 distilleries in total making single malt scotch whiskey by the end of this year. Yeah, but we can't talk about them all, right? No. So I think what we're going to do today... Is, uh, yeah, it would be hard, man. It'd be a long <laughs> chat as well. But yeah. I thought... Well, you thought, I thought it'd be good to just pick out a few, you know, that we think that are kind of good examples of what new distilleries are and what they can be and stuff that that kind of, I guess, is, sort of shares this journey that everyone's been on as well. Because these mm-hmm. are not, everyone thinks that, oh, these people that are opening distilleries, they're all 
multi-millionaires with tons of cash behind them and it's plain sailing the whole way through. And that's definitely not the case. Yeah, I mean, so I think what we're going to do for this episode is talk about distilleries that have kind of been operating for, for less than three years, right? Uh, and, and for me, it's amazing to see this for a couple of reasons, because as you guys may know, I've spent a lot of time of my whiskey career over in the U.S., and again, I got really excited first time going to the US, I, seeing this this whole like craft distillery movement that happened, which I think, well, I know happened way before it started in Scotland, right? Uh, you know, I went over there in 2010 and I remember going to various new distilleries that, that were opening up all over the US and it was great to see. I think the big difference that I've noticed and any Americans that are listening, I'm sorry, I may offend you right now. Not every time I went to these distilleries and not every time I tried this liquid coming from those distilleries was it absolutely fantastic. You know, I, I, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of them aren't going to see 10 years from now because of that fact. What I've noticed in Scotland is, in my experience of, of going around the new ones, they have great juice going on. And yeah. I think one of the reasons is we have so much experience over in Scotland and these guys are leaning on that experience. And that's, that's a combination of making the distillery and also making the liquid, i.e. employing guys who are distillery managers from the Diageos, the, the White and Mackays, the, the William Grants of the world. You know what I mean? So they're, they're really kind of bringing their knowledge to these little distilleries uh, in Scotland, which is, which is amazing to see. No, it is. And that, that you're right. You know, and there's, there's a few examples that spring to mind just as you're kind of chatting there about, you know, where the experience is coming from and, I think generationally as well, there are a lot of these master distillers and master blenders within Scotland who are supporting some of these newer distilleries and sharing that knowledge mm -hmm. and expertise um, in a very kind of a very open and uh, helpful way. There's a lot of respect, I think, you know, still within the industry, which obviously comes from, you know, the old days of, of trading stocks and things like that. You know, these businesses, whilst they're rivals, um, actually, they need each other as well. And I was actually, we, we did that, uh, Mitch, you organized the tasting very recently and uh, Bill Lumsden was on, uh, the master distiller for, for Glen Orangey. And, you know, the question I posed to him was, of, of all the new distilleries that are coming on board, you know, how soon will it be before blenders recognize those in the same way that they do the old established distilleries, you know, for, for blending purposes and things like that. And, yeah, I mean, his, his point was quite clear. He said, from what he's seen, he, he believes the quality is very good um, across yeah. the board. You know, he was very complimentary of the new distilleries that are popping up. Uh, but because he's not making any blends anymore, he, he, he's, not, he's not sure how they're going to factor in, in the blending situation. But he, he, he seemed quite confident that they could. Well, I know for a fact that a lot of the big companies are aging a lot of this liquid for these new guys, right? Because mm -hmm. they, they don't have the warehousing themselves. Yeah. So they're going to the the Diageos, the 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 William Grant and Sons and saying like, well, you guys have got a shitload of warehouses. Can yeah. you age it for us? So, um, so what, what that leads to, to your point, Daz, is they're getting some of their liquid to, to have a little test about to see how it's going to work in the future for their blends. Yeah, no, no, they, they will be. They'll be keeping an eye on that, which is great. And it's good. Yeah. It's a good... Uh, a good start for one of these businesses if they can get some of this spirit into these blends. Daz, it's time for What's Daz and Mitch drinking this week? 
All right, Daz. So because we're talking about the new guys, I thought it was only fair to drink some of their liquid. Uh, and I think you've got one and I've got one this week and we're going to do this a little bit different. So yeah. what I've got is a little bit of malt riot, which I gave you, which is from the Glasgow distillery. Yep. So I've got... Oh, change it up. <laughs> uh, I've got a little uh, box glass here with a load of ice. And malt riot is a blended malt of three different single malts obviously and it's made for mixing man it's it's not you know they they don't say it's a single malt for sipping they do have that but we're going to get onto that in a second so that sound is a little bit of ginger ale and you know the great thing about this whiskey is they talk about it's made for mixing so going down that uh monkey shoulder sort of vibe and it's great to see these whiskies out there. I mean, we touched on this in episode one, right? Glenn Morangy has, has just done it. They've just yeah. released a single malt that is just for, for for messing about in cocktails. Talking about Glasgow Distillery, uh, created by my good friend, Liam Hughes. Big shout out to him. Done an amazing job there. You know, I I, I love this distillery. It's, it's not set up for visitors. It's in an industrial estate, and Liam will put his hands up and say that. What he's done a great job of is creating liquid and really good liquid. So Malt Riot, to, to go back to this, and this isn't their only whiskey, but to go back to this, this uh, talks about the uh, malt tax that was basically introduced in 1725. And Glasgow got really pissed off about this to the point where they rioted and they kicked excise officers out of Glasgow. So they've taken that story and they've put it on the label of this blended malt that they've created, but they've also done this range, uh, what they call the 1770 whiskies, yeah. and they've done a uh, unpeated version, they've done a peated version and a triple distilled expression mm -hmm. of the 1770. And, and dude, this stuff is going really well right now. So Glasgow Distillery has won a load of awards. Recent one was San Francisco uh, Gold Award for a whiskey, which is a very hard award to get. And I know that because I did four years of being in the judging panel uh, for that, that award ceremony. So I know how hard it is to get a gold award for that. So good work, guys. And hands up, you know, I, I bought a cask from them mm -hmm. a couple of months ago. No Liam well. I knew he was going to stop his cask program. I wanted to get get on, in on that, and I, I bought a cask. I was like, "You guys are doing some good stuff." So, yeah, definitely, and the seventeen seventy stuff I've seen looks looks great. It tastes good as well. Uh, and I am um, I don't have ginger ale. Um, I'm just sipping this neat. I'm really mm. impressed. It's got that lovely sweet malty character that sometimes uh, time and casks can you know can overpower, and and that lovely hint of you know that lovely just that or it like the what I kind of describe is a bit orangey. But it's it's like honey with orange, you know, and it's yeah. subtle and it's lovely and it's so so tasty. It doesn't have to be old and battered with sherry and port pipes and stuff like that. You know, it can be that lovely, vibrant, fresh style, which is why I, I guess it's it's great mixed. Personally, I think this is a nice kind of aperitif whiskey. You know, whack it over a block yeah, of ice yeah. at about five o'clock, and you'll be happy with that. You know, yeah, no, absolutely, man. But you've you've got another one, right? You've got another one that you're drinking, which which we both yeah. know. Pretty well. um, definitely. I mean, so obviously being from Fife um, and having a, a, having a link up to that part of the world uh, through my granddad, you know, I was always interested to see just how King's Barnes was doing and, and what was going on and just uh, 
fairly recently, actually, I picked up a bottle of their distillery reserve, which is now sold out. Um, it wasn't that expensive. You know, it was fairly reasonable. This is one of the kind of the slightly older new distilleries. Um, these guys must have been at it for about seven or eight years. 2014 uh, mm-hmm. was this distillery open. So this whiskey can't be that old. What's interesting about this one, the distillery reserve, well, it's cast strength, first of all. So it's coming in full bull, but it's a full maturation in Portuguese wine casks. And that's something I haven't tried before. So I was really, really keen to get my paws on one and give it a little taste. And yeah, I'm, I'm really, really impressed with it. It's got a lovely, lovely kind of fruity quality to it. Quite heavy in fruit style. There's a bit of spice in there, but then you get this lovely, just this beautiful kind of, it's almost like a constant fudge right the way from the start all the way through to the finish. And it just carries on. And that higher strength just really allows that to linger on your palate for that little bit longer so super super tasty whiskey it's the best whiskey i've tasted from king's barns and i've tried a few of the others this is hands down for me this is this is yeah. really good yeah i mean you know i i think king's barns dream to dram goes in like my top drams for last year that mm. i tried it's time for Mitch and Daz's interesting Scotch whiskey facts that definitely won't get you laid. All right, guys, so here we go. Some interesting facts that won't get you laid. The first whiskies produced in Scotland would all have been peated, as that was all the only fuel source. So when we when we talk about Scotch whiskies now, then and you see them predominantly from Isla that are that have this big peat influence, that's what they would have been like in the day. The Kennet Pans Distillery in Clackmannanshire was paying more taxes on its whiskey in 1730 than all of the combined land taxes paid in Scotland. Boom. Well done. I know you Definitely. were there recently. Cool gaff. I was. I yeah. was. Look look out for the, uh, the, the YouTube video on that one. Yeah. Um, the oldest licensed operating distillery in Scotland dates back to 1775, which is Glenturret. Recently bought by Le Lake. Le Lake? Le Lake? Le Lake? How do you say it? Le Lake. It's the Lake. The first distillery to open its doors to visitors was in 1969, which was Glenfiddich, which I still say is one of the most impressive visitor centers to this day. All right, guys. So let's talk about our, I suppose, new local distillery, the the one that's closest to us where we live, uh, Hollywood. Yeah. So yeah, I've been to Holyrood probably about three or four times, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've worked with a few of the guys that, that helped set it up. So yeah, it's a cool place. Really, really interesting distillery. And what I, what I really like about them and talking about using experience, you know, the experience that's around Scotland and how you open a distillery that's able to kind of borrow that experience to help benefit the, the style of whiskey they can make. Holyrood is a great example um, Mr. Robertson, you know, is is David Robertson's heavily involved in what's going Thank on Dave. at Hollywood, and and he's he's managed a few well-known distilleries in his day, um, and obviously continues to be involved very much so with whiskey. So, you know, having somebody like him kind of guiding the ship a little bit in terms of what they were going to be doing and the things they could do were really cool. So, what I was really impressed mm-hmm. by was, now I might have this wrong, but I remember when I was doing the last tour. I think they're making six or seven different types of new make spirit. Mm-hmm. And they have a maturation program that gives you all these wonderful variables with each of those different spirit types. 
so that you can imagine like the kit that they have in the still house with the the different ways they can do things. There's retorts, there's long necks, there's all sorts of stuff that allows them to manipulate that style of new make spirit at Holyrood, which is really, really cool. And the other thing I found that was really interesting was just the cask types. They're using Japanese oak, they're using lots of different types of sherry casks, wine casks, obviously ex-bourbon casks as well. So they've got access to some great wood and some really interesting bits and pieces that can help enhance that lovely style that they're looking to create. So yeah, I'm really impressed with what's going on there. I know the staff have been very well selected as well. And our good pal Nick Ravenhall has moved over very recently too. So I'm sure all this um, kind of creative thinking and innovation and things like that at Holyrood will continue. And the great thing is, and it's maybe one of the best things that they've done, is they've put it very close to the city centre. From my house, it's literally a, it's a 15-minute cycle from my house. Uh, they've got a great wee bar there. You can go and have a drink and stuff. And that's great for your garden now, mate. A beer yeah, garden, yeah, yeah, fifteen minutes cycle from your house. That's dangerous. It's uh, dangerous, yeah. And and it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's really exciting, and it's great to see a distillery back in the city centre of Edinburgh. You know, we do have the North British Grain Distillery, but that's not somewhere where you can just walk in and have a tour and do a tasting and stuff. The first time in a long time, Edinburgh's had a distillery in the city centre. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing for them. Uh, and, you know, once COVID's out of the way, um, well, it's almost there now. I know their beer garden's open, yeah. but they can get the tourists back in and get people finding more about Edinburgh whiskey, you know? Because I, I was, uh, I'm going to just sort of jump into Clydeside here as well, which is just off of the, the Clyde in Glasgow. It's such a great distillery. It's a beautiful distillery. And what Edinburgh, what Holyrood is doing is very similar to what Clydeside is doing is, is retelling how important Edinburgh and Glasgow were to mm. whiskey in the past. And, and, and the malt whiskey distilleries are in the north, they're out on the Western Isles and things like that, most of them. But actually, you know, Edinburgh and Glasgow were so important to that story. And as the years have gone on, they have become less so, you know. And even the blending labs and everything that used to be in these cities, a lot of them have also gone from Edinburgh and Glasgow too. So, yeah, I think Holyrood's a great distillery. It's brilliant to have it so close to mine. Um, and it's not just about producing whiskey. It's also about telling the story of the history of whiskey and how important Edinburgh is to that, you know? Mate, I'd agree with that 100%. And, and, and what I see from going around these new distilleries is it's not just about making whiskey, even though no. they are doing that really well. It's about the whole experience, the visitor experience that they're giving, right? And I think you just you nail on the head, like Clydeside and Hollywood are doing that so, so well. I mean... To, the thing that blew me away, I always remember going to Clydeside and just seeing the fact that they had an actual whiskey shop. You know what I mean? It wasn't just them selling their whiskey. It was selling whiskey from all around Scotland, mm. all the different brands from, from all the big, you know, players. Yeah, yeah. And to see that, I was like, wow, that, that, that's a ballsy move. Like really not giving a shit about just focusing on your liquid and yeah. what you're producing here. You're encompassing the whole of Scotland. And, you know, the fact that all these new guys are pretty much setting up with restaurants, cafes, uh, you know, this amazing experience that when you go there, it's not just about making whiskey, uh, which, which is nice for us being like family guys, right? We can mm. take the families there and be like, right, well, you know, let's go for a, a nice lunch. Yeah. And then, hey, we can have a little whiskey on uh, on the side. No, it's, it's so true, you know, and I travel over to Isla a lot, obviously going to Jura for my, my day job. And... You know, when I'm going over there, Ardna Ho is a great example of that. 
you actually talk about the hospitality side of things and actually just being able to get a decent coffee and just walking in and just having a seat and catching up with people on the phone or doing some emails whilst also looking at the paps of Jura from the front of that distillery. It's absolutely best, best view from any distillery. Hands down. Stuck. Like, it's so beautiful. Guys, if, you, if, if you're going to go to, to Isla, pop into Ardenaho just for, even if you don't do the tour, just go for, for lunch, dinner. Well, I don't know if they're open for dinner, but go for lunch, go for a coffee. Yeah. I, I, only, go during, yeah, I only go during the day and I, and yeah, I think yeah. it is only open like during the day, but it's, it's yeah. such a good spot. And as you say, you know, you go in there, it's got a cool shop. Man, yeah. if you're in, dude, they sell beard oil. Well, that, you're in then, right? I'm in, man. I, I'm all sorted. If I ever forget anything, I just go to Hard in the Hole. They've got everything, man. They've got it all covered. Guess the whiskey. 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 So, last week, I gave you a few clues. This distillery shares a town with, with another distillery. And Tainanish was the distillery that I gave you, which was the clue. The second clue was, what was the second clue? Was it about a stag? It was an animal. It has an animal on its bottle, I think, was the second clue, right? And the third I don't clue... Think it, I don't think it was, mate, but now, now I definitely know what it was. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember what the clue was. Oh, the big meadow. That was one of the clues as well. It's quite clearly Dalmore. That was the whiskey last week. Mitch, what are we doing this week? I want three clues after you. All right, three clues. Here we go. So this distillery takes its name because the distillery sits on the same parish as it. The church is only a few hundred metres away from the stillhouse. It's situated in a popular whiskey-making region, and it was opened by an Englishman who also comes from a wine background. So there you go. Answers on a postcard. Send it to Daz's house in Scotland. He will get that. Yeah, man, that'll get to me. But Dad's a postman, remember? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Daz, let's talk about whiskey distilleries that you visited, the new yeah. guys that yeah. have impressed you. We've, we've chatted about a few of them already, right? Yeah, like yeah. Clydeside, yeah. Hollywood. So let's take those those aside. Like, what are the other ones that have impressed you? I, I, I've, I know I've mentioned Arden Hole, but I was mm. so impressed by Arden Hole when I walked in. I thought that they, they make a lot of the distilleries that have been there for a long time just look and feel a little bit old-fashioned and not in terms of the buildings and the processes and stuff actually the way that you can look after people when you go to one of these distilleries and i think they've adopted a really kind of some more modern approach really to how they look after people good hospitality you know a, a great offering good tour options and stuff like that you know i think they've they've just done a, a really really good job um the borders distillery as well it's just a beautiful building it, it's just cool and I think there is a bit about, you know, when you know when you see something for the first time, you're like, wow, just just just, just for whatever yeah, reason, it just yeah. makes an immediate impression on you. Uh, you get that from Borders, and it does kind of take you back a little bit. Like, that's that's mega. So yeah, those, those are the two for me that probably impressed me the most. You know, just on my initial impressions. Nice man. What about you, man? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know. I think we've chatted about it already and it needs to be said again, Ardenho for the view, just absolutely stunning. Yeah. I was lucky enough to go around Inch Derny, which for, from a, a geeky whiskey technical hmm. uh, observation is just, it, it's crazy what they're doing there. Uh, just a load of different experiments, different grains, 
lot of rye experiments going on. Interesting to see. Not a visitor experience that you can go and and just rock up to. Unfortunately, it doesn't have a visitor center. So I we did like a little tour of a load of new distilleries, but Knockneen, uh, it was a year after they opened. So, you know, quite a while ago now, I think it was 2018, I want to say. And I was lucky enough to sit down with Annabelle Thomas, who owns the place. Uh, and, you know, it blew my mind about her whole vision, her whole idea about sustainability within distilleries, you know, using this boiler that's fueled by wood chips that, that is sourced from the, the area around about the, the, the distillery that her family own. And then the, the ash is put onto the ground to fertilize everything round about. Her whole idea at the time, uh, you know, was to, to when she sells Nocnean, the, the, the customer had uh, opportunities to say if they wanted the, the outer or not. Mm you know, to save on this whole cardboard. Because at the end of the day, man, you think about it, right? How many times do you buy a bottle of whiskey and you just chuck away the outer? It goes straight into your recycling bin or even worse, just goes into the bin and goes yeah. into landfill. So, you know, I'm I, so glad to see that she started to do that. And, and she just won an award for sustainability within uh, the whiskey industry, which is, yeah. which is great to see. Then I think the other one, you know, visitors experience, there's so many of them right now. So many great distilleries to go and visit. There are the new ones. We've already talked about the Clydeside Distillery. That's yeah. amazing. Lindor's Abbey blew my mind. Really, the amount, yeah. dude, the amount of money they've spent on their visitor experience, uh, just completely worthwhile going and checking that out. And mm. you know, it's the birthplace of, of Scotch whiskey. It's the first written record back in 1494. So to go there and actually be able to, they've got this whole thing where you can make. Uh, aquavitae as it was made mm. back in the day you source all the the botanicals from round about the area that, that would have been used so really cool ardamurkin has to be up there as well and that's for like a tour experience yeah uh just f- like such a, an amazing tour guide that took us around there and then you know it's owned by adelphi so mm. we went up to there they've got this amazing shop there with all the adelphi bottlings we went up to their tasting room had a great experience drinking a load of adelphi whiskies which are yeah. you know fantastic as you know you've drunk a few of them so yeah i've had a, i've had a few man I, I i cannot complain about the new distilleries in scotland i think they're absolutely amazing yeah and sustainability is obviously massive on their agenda right these guys are setting yeah. up distilleries and they're really thinking about that kind of longer term piece what's fascinating i think as well though is that how quickly they're selling um, when Arden and mm-hmm. launched their first release, um, you mentioned Torveig earlier on, which is the second distillery on Sky. I don't think Talis could have recognised that quite yet, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it's on there. It's and it's producing whiskey, and and these guys are releasing whiskies, and even at three and four years old, people are nodding their heads, going, "This tastes good. This is good juice," you know. And I guess it's the modern techniques. It's the yeah. The knowledge of, of saying, you know, we, we need to sell this whiskey at four or five years old. How can we make great whiskey at that age? Use more active oak, a, a more a more sympathetic spirit, perhaps, that, that will mature better over a short period of time. You know, little things like that, that these guys are all sort of considering. It's the benefit of, it's, you know, it's the benefit of starting a new distillery rather than something that was created 200 years ago. You know, it's not it's not all negative yeah, yeah. starting no. use, right? It's, it's great. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. You know, it is, it is about the liquid. It is good liquid. And it's also these guys are savvy. They're, they're savvy yeah. with regards to their marketing. You know, they're all on social media. They're all about it. And it's it's good stuff they're putting out. 
you know they they don't mess about yeah and you you look at the the, the older guys right um not slagging anyone off here and i think they've they've kind of up their game a lot but it's that the new guys know they have to be really on their social media game labeling yeah. you know they, they know their audience that they're going for it's that new whiskey drinker yeah it's, it's fascinating i was, I was doing uh, one of the tastings uh, we, we chatted about this in our last episode but i was doing a tasting around the spirit of space side festival and we actually had a little chat about the future of space side and what would be happening and things like that and you look at this big list of 30 new distilleries how many of them are in space side yeah not many man i think no. what bal and dalek uh, you got you got the cairn opening up uh, yeah. you know but so here's the thing right if you were going to open up a distillery why would you not want to do it in a place that's a little bit more unique in scotland yeah like i don't understand you know sakinda singh is opening up uh, a distillery in isla great good for him but why do that like there's so many other distilleries in isla already uh, why not go for somewhere completely weird like Arda Markin, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, like those kind of places. So here's a question for you, man. Let's fast forward 10 years from right now. We're going to open up our own distillery. What's it yeah, going to be yeah. called? What is our distillery going to be called? Yeah, name it. Not, not another fucking distillery. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I, I, do you know, I love the idea. I, I remember um, I went to dinner once and I sat next to uh, Nicholsby, I forget his first name. Uh, he was the he was he was at William Grant's back in the eighties. Uh, he was the Highland Park Distillery Manager back then at some point as well, and he was a distillery director, I think, at Grant's. Anyway, he, I was at a dinner and I sat next to this guy and I was chatting away, and he ended up opening the distillery up in Shetland, Shetland Reel. He was kind of consulting on that, and I think he's consulting on one of the newer distilleries back down here on the mainland, but somewhere like if I was going to do it, I'd do it somewhere quite remote. Up right. on Shetland or out because uh, Shetland reels on Unst, isn't it? So it's, it's, it's an island yeah. off of Shetland. It's one of the one of the smaller islands. I'd go right out to the Hebrides, you know, right out on Barra or something like that to get that wild weather, you know, that idea of, of kind of remoteness and that try and capture that sense of place, you know. And, and, yeah. and maybe that's why I would avoid and Space Side's fantastic, but there is obviously 40 odd distilleries that have already captured the essence of Space Side in a fabulous way. So, you know, I'll leave them to it. I'll definitely go somewhere, like you say, a bit more off the beaten track, somewhere that's a bit more remote. And I do like the sea and the ocean and stuff, so I'd probably do it somewhere near that. So, guys, we want to hear, where would you open your own distillery and what would you call it? I'm thinking Glengasm would be my name. <laughs> Tagline would be, gets you really excited after every sip. Yeah, that's... Uh, that, <laughs> well, you'll have a certain market. You'll have a certain market. I, I also think... The Black Isle. I love the Black Isle. It's a great spot. Got a brewery yeah. already, right? So there's obviously, it's very fertile land up there as well. It's a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. And um, I remember the first time I went to the Black Isle Brewery, I was <laughs> I was with Tom Ask, right? And uh, we'd driven up to do this event. And it was actually the longest day, the 21st of June. Golf summer event. solstice. Yeah, yeah, summer solstice. So obviously up there, because it's so high up, or so far north, you can play golf at midnight. You can tee off at midnight. So these guys do that. They go and play golf. So uh, Tom Ask and I were making some cocktails and stuff like that. But then on the back, on the way back down the road, I saw the brewery and I thought, we need to go in there. So we go into the brewery and we're, as we're walking into the door, I got attacked by their sheepdog. 
actually got bitten on the hand by the brewery dog. <laughs> Can, can we make every episode like you have a dog story? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's two. That's in a two row, in a row. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, and it was so bizarre. And it, it just, it, I don't know what it was. It hated me. I must have had like a bit of bacon in my pocket or something like that, but it wouldn't leave me alone, and it didn't like me. And uh, the lady, who was an older lady at this point, um, tried to get the dog away, but it, it wasn't really happening. So we had to lock myself into the shop to get away from the dog. <laughs> Mate, you know, do you know why it is? It's because you're an absolute that loves to. <laughs> yeah. Also, because. Yeah, that's exactly why. That's exactly <laughs> why. Well, Mitch, this has been a joy, an absolute pleasure. I'm super, super excited about the next episode because what we are going to do is we are going to talk about drinking whiskey around the world. Now, you've lived yes. in America. I have been a global brand ambassador and all that kind of stuff. So we've been to quite a few decent places to drink whiskey around the world. Mm-hmm. So not only am I excited about digging out some of the memories and maybe going through my old Instagrams and Facebooks and stuff like that and actually trying to remember <laughs> some of these places, um, but to give us some help, uh, especially in our old age, uh, I thought it would be a great idea to bring in a special guest. And this is very exciting because this is our very first special guest on the show which is cool. Absolutely. And we always said we we're going to do three episodes by ourselves and then we're going to bring in guests. So guys, if you're bored of listening to our, our, our dulcet tones, then the good news is the next episodes from here on, for the most part, we'll have pe- other people coming in that are within the whiskey world. Who are much more interested than you, Mitch. That's not hard, mate. That's not hard. So guys, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe and we'll see you drinking a whiskey somewhere in the world with someone else. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.